This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to the show today. It's Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs, here on Radio K Pulpit. I hope that you're having an amazing, amazing, amazing day and that you're staying sane in the mother city because the traffic has been crazy. And uh, as we all head back to work, probably by next week and all the schools get back, everything is sure going to be heating up. And I saw just the other day that a million tourists are in our mother city. And uh, that's quite a uh, conversation that likes to divide people. We love tourism. We love how it boosts our economy. We just don't love the traffic. And uh, so please keep safe on the roads and, and please just be blessed whatever you're doing. Enjoying the sun, enjoying the cricket that we are starting to have. I know some of you are really excited. Social media abuzz with SA20 stuff and, uh, you know, just getting on down. And what's really cool about the games at Newlands is that they start at Hoppers 5 so we can head on over after, you know, some work and if we have the strength after work we can catch up on some great cricket how cool is that besides cricket though because that's not what we're talking about on the show today today we are getting in to the case that South Africa the South African government the leadership is bringing against Israel at the ICJ and that's going to be our talking point for the next hour you need to understand what is actually happening because when people talk about it they just go oh South Africa is bringing this case but the facts of the matter is that it's much deeper than that and also we need to know the distinctions between the ICC the criminal court you know the International Court of Justice what is the difference what is South Africa's case about and uh, you know how is this going to move forward what are we going to see how does this unfold how should we feel so much to talk about and how do you feel right now when I talk about this case I hope that you're kind of turning that app up or you're turning the volume up on your phone or maybe even on the radio because we need to talk about this so many of you over the last couple of weeks as I've been talking on Voice of Change, sharing with survivors, sharing with, you know, different people around the issue of Israel have been saying, I love Israel. I pray for Israel. You know, the Bible tells me to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. That's what I'm doing. What can I be doing more? And so I want you to be informed today. And I have Benji Schulman, who is the Director of Public Policy for the South African Zionist Federation. Uh, he's also a broadcaster and he's a very, very well informed on what is going to be happening and so I brought him in today to discuss with us what we're going to be seeing over the next couple of weeks and how long is this hearing going to take will we get a ruling soon well everything is going to be unpacked on the show today this is where you want to be for the next hour so don't go anywhere Benji's with me after this your daily companion radio k pulpit 7 to 9 a.m I am really, really looking forward to today's conversation with Benji Schulman because we are really, really sitting at a point right now, right on this Thursday, the 11th of January, where we are starting to see this hearing happening at the ICJ about this case going against Israel at the top United Nations court. And of course, 
the International Court of Justice, we must just say, is not the same as the International Criminal Court, which people tend to get a little bit mixed up. So we need to realize that there's a difference happening here in South Africa, having filed this really big case against Israel in terms of what's happening with the war against Hamas and what's happening in Israel and Gaza. And I know we've been covering this a lot on the show, but today we need to talk about what's going to be happening at these hearings and this case and to unpack that with me. Benji, it is so good to have you with me today. I know that you're going to give us so much insight, information that we can actually take on board for when we speak to other people and so that we can understand what is actually happening before we get into that. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you, uh, Lauren. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, be here uh, and to bring the, the, the perspective of the South African Zionist Federation. Uh, we are the, the oldest Jewish community organization in, in the country uh, and obviously uh, work on the connection between our country in South Africa, Jews and the wider community uh, and, and Israel. And so uh, it's really great to, to talk to you and to talk to the listeners who I know are such supporters of Israel all over the country. Mm. I'm so grateful for the work that you guys are doing as well. It's so important. Sometimes people can feel so alone in their support of Israel. I don't know if you've ex- experienced that or heard people say that. I've met quite a lot of young people on social media who have said, I'm South African, I support Israel, but I kind of feel a little bit alone sometimes and a little bit nervous. I'm not sure if I should be saying this on social media that I support Israel. I'm not sure how alone I am. I'm not sure how many other people are you know, are Zionists, whether they are Jewish or not. And, you know, there's kind of that feeling of wanting to be part of a community and people who have the same experience and heart and understanding that you do. And have you found that people do want that right now, especially with what we have seen on October 7th and the weeks that have now gone by and the months that have gone by? Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, a lot of people who support Israel, um, have actually very much become more vocal in the last few months since this mm. has happened. Uh, and I think what people need to realize in South Africa is what we're seeing, the activism that we're seeing on the streets uh, and at the ICJ and in different places is not a South African position. It's an ANC position. Mm. Uh, and uh, the ANC controls uh, the government and uh, is able to influence other institutions through that control. And so we have this big public discourse uh, about Israel, which is very hostile, but actually the majority of South Africans don't uh, believe in this kind of thing. They don't take on board some of the key messaging that the ANC would like us to take on. And I think really, it's, if, we, if we're honest about this application, it's it's the ANC that's trying to take Israel to the ICJ, not South Africa, because the majority of South Africans are not uh, in support of this uh, this particular piece of lawfare. Mm. And a lot of South Africans as well, so closely view and see and have lived with gender-based violence. We know that this is a reality in South Africa and what we witnessed on October 7th and some of the survivors who have shared their story on the, even here on the show and survived, you know, being at the Nova party, survived what happened, the intensity of the gender-based violence, intensity of the violence that took place that day and still continues is something that should really stir our hearts. We know there's also been a lot of, you know, kind of criticism towards the United Nations woman for not speaking up for 
you know, Jewish women, Israeli women who have, and there weren't just Jewish women that were harmed, you know, on October 7th. It was many different kinds of women, men and women, children as well. And as South Africans, I believe that there are many South Africans that have compassion and empathy and a, a sense of, gosh, what we witnessed, what we saw and what we are still seeing and hearing uh, is is not okay with us, doesn't sit well with us. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, what we see unfolding now with this case is not the majority of how South Africans feel. There's a different heart, perspective and understanding that we have towards what we have witnessed in Israel. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even uh, outlets which have not traditionally been quote-unquote, pro-Israel in their coverage, uh, have covered in particular uh, the sexual violence element. Mm. There was a a very in-depth piece done uh, by the New York Times on this the other day where they they went into quite a lot of detail. And if you're able to read Mm. it, because it's difficult to read, um, I would encourage people to, to do so because it really does shed light on what was happening on that day uh, mm. and and what has yet to be condemned uh, by the government in in South Africa you know we have a government that says that it is in favor of dealing with gender based violence it's part of our constitution mm. uh, but it continues to deny that this happens and i think that it's a uh, it shows the the moral rot at the heart of uh, at the heart unfortunately of our leadership in our country that they are prepared essentially which we're going to talk about, I think, in a little bit, to mm. to to help and defend groups like Hamas who, who are committing these acts. Uh, and I think that as South Africans, part of reclaiming our country is actually reclaiming uh, the kind of friends that uh, South Africa hangs out with. Because mm. I can tell you right now around the world, people are looking at South Africa and they're saying, well, this is not the South Africa that we know. Uh, what's, what's going on here? And I think it's up to ordinary South Africans like ourselves to say, look, this government doesn't represent us. This is not what we stand for. And what we stand for is in the Constitution and is in the moral framework of what we operate on every day, not not what our government tells us we're supposed to. Mm. Such a good point that you make there as well, and that we as citizens, we actually have something, we can take action as well, and we can be active in our reality and in in how this government's going to work, who our government is, and how we want South Africa to be, and the moral compass that we want to have. And with that being said, let's unpack a bit of what South Africa's case is against Israel and what we are starting to see happen. The hearings that we are now going to start, you know, listening to, hearing about everything like that. So people are hearing, of course, just that South Africa has this case against Israel. It's an 84 page case. And, you know, they've got these top lawyers and attorneys that are going to represent this case. So Unpack a bit for us, what is this case that South Africa is actually bringing against Israel? You know, how is this going to work? And what is their main argument against what is happening in this war against Hamas and with this conflict that we are seeing happening in Israel right now? So, first of all, your your point about the ICC and the ICJ is one that's uh, important. Um, Mm. People get confused. So let me help clarify that. Uh, to begin with. The ICC is a a court which is set up by convention. In other words, countries sign on to be a part of it. And you, once you sign on, then you 
are part of those court proceedings. And Israel has never been a signatory to the court, which only came into being about 20 years ago. It was in 2020, 2002, I think. Mm-hmm. So that, there's that court. And then the ICJ court, International Court of Justice, is actually a sort of internal dispute resolution mechanism of the United Nations. That, that sort of all countries join when you become a member of the United Nations. And and it's also governed by some of the conventions which are in, in the United Nations itself, which includes the Convention Against Genocide, which was um, the name of uh, genocide, the word was actually invented by a Jewish person um, mm. who was dealing with the issue in, in, the, in the aftermath of, of the Holocaust. And, and of course, uh, Israel being a country that uh, was very connected to the creation of the Holocaust um, mm. because it was a place where refugees went after, after the camps, it, it, it signed onto the Genocide Convention and being essentially a Western country with <clears throat> Judeo-Christian values, uh, signed onto the uh, Genocide Convention because it's uh, very opposed to people committing genocide hmm. uh, because that's part of the fabric of what Israel was created to do, right, was, was to stop this sort of thing happening, not just to Jews, but, but to others. And so I think yeah. Israel is very proud of its uh, connection to the to the genocide convention and it's and, and and what's going on with it and i think that there's a deep irony here that um the people that south africa are supporting hamas and its supporters in iran who actually have accused uh who have said that they're going to commit the genocide against jews are now uh the ones that south africa is shielding at this process mm. so what are the process itself so at the at the um the court of justice one state can bring a, a claim against another state uh, for for doing certain things. So the most recent one was uh, the Gambia, which mm-hmm. which brought a case against Myanmar for the actual genocide that was going on there against the Rohingya. And then you also had a case where the Ukraine brought a case against Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and sometimes you get this thing where third parties that are not connected to the case at all they bring they bring a, a they can bring a case. And that's what South Africa is trying to do here. They're saying, look, we're not party to this conflict, but we want to we want to uh, bring this case. And they've brought this 84-page book. It's, it's interesting about the legal team. Uh, mm. Not a lot of people with international law experience. There's John mm. Dugard, who, who did something in, in Namibia in the 80s. Uh, but you'll actually see on the team, they've, they've brought in a number of academics because the lawyers themselves have never done international law. A lot of them have done a lot of constitutional law uh, and public interest law, but international law is a completely different uh, animal. So they have brought this, and effectively what the South Africans are saying is, is the following. If you kind of read the report, they quote some old reports, um, sometimes not so credible ones, about Israel's conduct and its overall um, connection in the area. Then they make some allegations about, obviously, the death toll in, in Gaza, which of which there has been... Um, you know, obviously, everyone is is very concerned about civilians. No one wants to see civilians yeah. of any kind um, uh, killed in, in in warfare. But this is a is a war. That is what's what's going on. And and what's interesting, and what the report doesn't note, is that uh, is that Israel's death toll casualty count. In other words, the amount of um, casualties of civilians for every combatant that is killed is way below that of anybody else anywhere in the world, including 
uh, America and England, uh, it's something something like three times less than America mm. and, and, and much more so than other Western militaries because Israel takes a huge amount of precautions when it comes to um, when it comes to protecting civilians. So there's pamphlets yeah. that get put down, SMSs that get sent to people, uh, personal phone calls that get made to civilians, co corridors that are open so that people can leave, mm. um, safe spaces that are created away from the fighting. Uh, even in even though Hamas uses, as we know, uh, civilian infrastructure, hospitals, uh, um, uh, schools, UN facilities, tunnels, etc. So none of the report, the South African report, of course, doesn't say anything about any of this. But the real nub and the and the and the thing that's really on the South African case is that they're claiming that there's actually intention here. Hmm. For the the definition of genocide, you need more than just fighting a war. You actually need uh, some sort of intention. And what they've done is they've basically taken a bunch of social media um, posts from different people in Israel, some of which uh, are not even people in the government, some of which actually don't even exist. They've quoted people that are not actually in existence, which is kind wow. of interesting. Um, and they put this into a report. And what they're saying, essentially, the case of the South Africans is that these media reports constitute intention by the Israeli state to to uh, commit a genocide against mm. the Palestinians, which, I mean, is, is is really ridiculous if you consider, as I've said, the fact that it's a war, it's a defensive war, uh, yeah. and that for, for since really the beginning of, of the State of Israel, all it's ever done is seek peace with its neighbours, mm. uh, and, uh, and 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 unfortunately has gotten a war in return. And, mm. and so I think that that's part of the... The other important thing to note is that South Africa... Is also trying to enforce a ceasefire. So what they're saying is that they're going to come to the court and then uh, they're going to ask the court to say, well, everyone needs to stop fighting and have a ceasefire uh, whilst um, whilst whilst they consider this issue. But in effect, what that would be doing would be allowing Hamas to rearm so that it can commit another massacre, which is what mm. it said it will do. Uh, so, so that really is what South Africa is playing at. The one is to try and make this genocide charge stick, which will take a long time. This will be a few years of court battles that we're going to see. Uh, and number two will be uh, the in the in the short term to see if they can try and get the court to order Israel to stop fighting Hamas uh, as a way of protecting Hamas, because we know what the South African government's position mm. is on the on, on Hamas. Mm. Benji, thank you so much for explaining that to us as well. It's so important that we understand exactly what's happening. And uh, two things, you know, the total number of deaths that we hear about or the numbers that come out of Gaza itself, about how many civilians have been killed, how many people have been killed. Uh, a lot of people feel uncomfortable about it uh, because the numbers seem quite high and then others feel uncomfortable about it because they're saying, are these real numbers because they're being released by Hamas? Could they be inflated? Are these actual numbers? How do we begin to prove that this, what we are hearing is actually the truth? And uh, how then do we see that as well? How do we quantify? I mean, how do we take numbers to an international court and go, well, these are the numbers. Is there a way we can prove that this is actually the amount that's of people that have passed away or that are experiencing this? Or is this also going to be a bit of a stumbling block in the South African case? Yeah, I think the South Africans do have a problem there because it's interesting, you know, you'll get these numbers, as you say, about 20,000 quoted by 
the Hamas-controlled uh, uh, Ministry of Health. And, and it's not clear how accurate those numbers are, uh, if they are inflated, but also if it's a uh, if it's also in line with with they quote those as being all civilian, which is impossible since yeah. we know that uh, Hamas members are being killed all the time. So it's at least a certain percentage of those has to be combatants, right? Yeah. So so on the one hand, those are not reliable, and also you know you have uh, people who are say they one thing but they're doing something else. So for example. Part of the October 7th massacre involved journalists. Journalists mm -hmm. were involved in the actual killing of Israeli civilians. Uh, but then when when those people are shot or killed, then those are claimed as as journalistic deaths, right? Mm. So so there is a real problem uh, around those numbers. And I think it is going to be something which uh, is going to be a problem for the for this legal team. Mm. And also when we consider genocide, uh, we we... I almost think we have to stop and pause. People have to stop and pause and go, well, the population of Gaza has increased, you know, double, uh, you know, in the past couple of years. And, mo uh, you know, almost half of the population of Gaza is under the age of 18, which means these are our children. This this is a population increase that's happening now over the last couple of years when Israel, you know, gave that land back. So if it was a genocide, that a genocide is really the opposite of uh, a population growing. It's intentionally trying to stop that population growth, as we saw in the Holocaust. It's getting really rid of people it's a it's it's a war against a specific group of people and it's it's a what we see happening in gaza even just from a population growth point of view is very much the opposite of genocide so to use that word seems a little bit uh overstated if anything what's well, the most interesting thing about the genocide claim is that it was made two days after the war uh, mm -hmm. that Hamas, the massacre that Hamas committed so in other words People were accusing genocide against Israel before it had dropped even the first bomb. Mm. Uh, and what's interesting is I heard one guy who's more of a psychologist, and he said that in his view, what the signals is that people who support Hamas looked at this and they could tell that what Hamas was trying to do was genocidal intent, right? They were trying mm -hmm. to kill as many Jews, take hostages, uh, murder people, attack children, uh, burn children, as we saw. And if you're a supporter, mm. that's impossible to... To, to have within yourself. And so you deflect it onto your your uh, opposition. And, and that's mm -hmm. where this genocide thing is coming from, is that uh, it's a, a way of trying to deflect an extreme evil onto your opponent, but I don't think uh, that it has any basis in fact. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we've seen versions of this throughout Jewish history, but even yeah. within the last 50 years, you know, you had the United Nations General Assembly in, in 1975, voting to say that Zionism is racism, which is something mm. that they eventually repealed. Uh, but but that vote actually took place. Uh, and it's another another way in which, uh, you know, you, you go uh, and make a, an absolutely horrific claim against, uh, against your opponent as, as a way to delegitimize them. And I think that that's really what's happening here. You know, you and I will talk about the facts and talk about uh, that this cannot possibly be, but I'm not sure that the people who are making this claim are that interested in it. It's, it's yeah. almost like a giant smear campaign if you if you really examine it properly. Mm -hmm. 
So interesting and so much more to talk about. We're going to take a quick song break, but I don't want you to go anywhere because Benji and I are still going to be chatting about this. And it's a very interesting conversation that we're having today. One I believe that you need to hear. So don't go anywhere. Enjoy some music. And we will see you when we get back. Find the wind under your wings. Discover life with Radio K Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Hope you enjoyed some music with us today. I'm with Benji Shulman. And yeah, on Voice of Change, we're talking about what we are seeing happening in the hearings that are happening at the ICJ right now. And of course, this is very, very important to those who care about Israel, for those who are concerned about just, you know, morals, humanity, what we have seen happen. And uh, we're going to continue to unpack this. So Benji, I want to know from you, as we see this case moving forward, as the hearings begin, how is this going to unfold? Is this something that happens over a couple of weeks? Israel are well prepared to present their case as well, and I'm sure that their case is going to be rock solid. How are we going to see these hearings play out, and will it take some time to get a final ruling and decision on this? Yeah, so the the team that Israel has put together, they haven't announced the full team, but from what we've seen so far, uh, one of the advocates, Mark Shaw, is really one of the the big giants of international uh, uh, law in in England. They've got a British mm-hmm. law person, and every uh, country has a judge. If you if you're not on this ten judges, but if you're not represented, you're allowed a judge on the court. So South Africa has sent uh, Dikan Mutsuneki, who's the deputy chief justice, mm-hmm. uh, and I think is actually a fair man, uh, and I hope we'll take this seriously. And then from the Israeli side, they've said uh, they've sent um, Judge Aaron Barak, who's probably the most famous judge mm-hmm. in the history of uh, Israeli judiciary uh, for a variety of reasons. But certainly in the last uh, thirty or forty years, he mm-hmm. is the name brand judge in Israel uh, and expert on these sorts of matters. So mm-hmm. uh, he'll be involved with this hearing as well. Um, but it's likely to take a very long time, perhaps a year, perhaps a number of years. And I think that the opening uh, discussions will will only uh, take place uh, now. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that is what, we'll, what we will see going forward. Mm. So this is not something that's going to be resolved overnight. I mean, people probably think, okay, you know, we're going we're gonna to plug into this and listen to everything that's happening. This is not going to be resolved like next month or next week. We can still see this playing out for quite some time, which is going to be quite interesting. And And while that is happening, we are still sitting in a situation where Israel wants its hostages back. And we, as people around the world, are saying, return the hostages. And, you know, that is a reality. So what do we are also seeing the families of the hostages, you know, getting really upset. Rightfully, they have the right to feel that way and, you know, are going, we're going to, we're going to blockade areas where, you know, aid is going into Gaza. We, we need people to start hearing our voices, taking us seriously. And, um, you know, how's your feeling as well about what we're seeing with the situation with the hostages? Yes, some being released, but most being held still by Hamas. No, we don't know what kind of condition they're in, what's happening. We have seen hostages not receiving the medication they've needed. We have seen so many things being happening. And this is a situation we care about and we are concerned about this. And now suddenly everything's going, hey, you know what? It's halted. Uh, you know, people have been killed. Some leaders have been killed. So this is kind of, we don't know if this hostage thing is going to be on the table. How should we be 
thinking about this, what do you see moving forward that we're going to see in the next couple of weeks? Hard to predict, I know, but just the reality and the feeling that we all have towards this, uh, it's it's quite an intense situation. We hope, we're all hoping it will be resolved, but we don't know. There's a few things to talk about with the hostages. The first is that, unfortunately, this hostage group that was taken on the 7th of October is a new group. Uh, mm-hmm. Hamas has held uh, Israeli civilian hostages for as long as seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is an Ethiopian man by the name of uh, Mengistu Avira, who you can um, encourage listeners to go look up. Uh, he is an Ethiopian Jew with uh, uh, mental health challenges mm. and has been a, a big uh, has been held there by by Hamas for seven years. There's also a, an, an, a Bedouin Israeli, also with mental health challenges, also been held, mm. and they've each been held for seven or eight years now. Uh, these latest group of uh, hostages have been held, will be held for 100 days. We're talking now on Thursday. Uh, they'll On Sunday, they will be uh, held on for, for 100 days. And mm. uh, people around the world are being encouraged to wear yellow ribbons, uh, in in solidarity with the plight of the hostages. And uh, I think that that's something that we should all be doing uh, yeah. in one way or another to help raise awareness. If you're at your church on Sunday and you have yellow ribbons, uh, it would be, I think, a, a good idea to just uh, make hmm. sure that your, your, your church members know about it because this Sunday is that 100 days. And I think that what you're saying about it is is really correct. The only reason why... We got a ceasefire last time around when it came to uh, releasing hostages was that Hamas desperately wanted it in order to uh, reorganize themselves and get fighters out of the way and, mm. uh, you know, try and move some of their leadership to safety and whatnot. Uh, and so the only time that Hamas has an incentive to have a ceasefire is when the military situation for them becomes so, um, so problematic that they have to basically go to Israel and say, all right, we'll trade hostages for a ceasefire. But mm-hmm. until then, they don't have an incentive to do so. And so what South Africa is doing by prematurely trying to force a ceasefire onto the table uh, is basically running an interference campaign for Hamas and forcing them in a way that will not allow uh, uh, not allow hostages to be released. And I think what we need to do is remind the world that these hostages are still there and that until the hostages mm-hmm. are released, that there isn't really a way to find a peaceful um, uh, a peaceful process and a, and a calm down of the conflict because Israel needs to get its people out. And it, that's its primary purpose, regardless of what the rest of the world might say. Hmm. Exactly. We hear this narrative a lot and we hear this, but it's also on social media that uh, ceasefire, you know, ceasefire now. When we say ceasefire now, when we hear those words, are we not then saying and giving permission for there to be consistent realities that will be allowed in inverted commas to unfold? We saw October 7th happen. If it's now just a ceasefire and we go, okay, it's ceasefire and, and you know, we're just going to go back to the way things were. Doesn't it give permission for more attacks and things to happen? I know probably for you as well and for me, having met survivors of 
various attacks that have happened in Israel, meeting people, knowing people personally who were in coffee shops where terror attacks happened, who were survivors, but laying among people who did not survive. Uh, you know, certain things happening consistently throughout Israel's history. This has been the reality. It's happening now all the time. If it's just a ceasefire, okay, everything back to normal, you know, it's not back to normal. And then isn't there a kind of this unspoken sense then, okay, there are terror organizations, whether it be Hamas, whether it be Hezbollah, whether it be whomever, to go, okay, then we can perpetually target Israel and communities and people because there's going to be no consequences or retaliation. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, there's a mythology that Hamas can't be beaten in this war, but they absolutely can. Mm. Uh, and as long as Israel has the time and the space to do it, you'll see that uh, I believe that the, the IDF is actually announced that northern Gaza, they've now kind of completed their their military campaign there and they're moving into southern Gaza. Uh, and and in any case, the, the Israelis have started to say that they're going to start to downscale the campaign, the sort of very yeah. fierce fighting that we've seen in the last three or four months uh, will start to be downscaled because the primary military objectives will have been achieved. And then there will be what they call counterinsurgency maybe for the next three or four months, but will be much less in terms of of the fighting, uh, and and I think that over time we will find that uh, Hamas is is is, a, is is beaten and and the people of Gaza can be free from Hamas, mm. which is really what you want because uh, there is a definite strong line that one can draw between what Gaza was like before Hamas came along and what mm. Gaza was like afterwards, and I think that if a regime can uh, can be put into place, which is a pro-peace regime that isn't out to kill uh, Israelis and Israeli civilians, then there will be a, a, a day after for, for Gazans where it can be rebuilt in peace and, and the two can live side by side and there's no problems. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, as long as Hamas is there, that becomes a very difficult reality to enact. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Benji, I want to say thank you so much for informing us today, for also taking this time out to share with us today. And in closing, I just want to ask you something that uh, I've heard people talk about as well. And this is, a, is kind of a personal question, but a lot of people have said, you know, that aren't Jewish and that support Israel, that support, you know, the Jewish people in general, even in South Africa. Then a lot of people have said, I hope that the Jewish people don't feel alone. I hope that they know that they do have support from other people, especially even Christian people. And we we really want Jewish people to know that we do care about them. And we also want people living in Israel to know that we care. We are not the opinion of necessarily our government or what is happening now. And have you felt that way? And just in the greater you know, scheme of things and the reality, maybe not just personally for you, but for the Jewish people that you know, the organizations that you work with as well. Have you felt that support and connection, not just from people who are in your own communities, but from other people like Christians, like non-Jewish people who are trying to show that care and support and also that love and intention at this time? I mean, I think that the uh, just on a personal level, I can tell you, I've never had so many people reach out um, to 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 talk uh, about about this issue and and check in how I've been doing, but mm. even you know I've had the privilege of going to a number of of church events in the last uh, three months. Uh, mm -hmm. In Cape Town, in Durban, uh, in Johannesburg, there's been uh, cool. church events. 
with people reaching out and saying, you know, uh, we are uh, we we are here and we stand with uh, we stand with Israel and we stand with uh, truth and uh, mm. and justice. And I think it's been really important for uh, Jewish communities around the world to see that, and for Israel to see around the world that it's it's not allowed. And so I really appreciate the people who are listening to this uh, this broadcast. Uh, your your uh, thoughts and prayers are, are really appreciated, and, and more importantly, your actions are. You know, in Cape Town, mm. there was a uh, an attempt to mm. to shut down uh, the voices of Christians who were going to have the prayer um, the, the prayer event on, on the promenade, and I think yeah. that that is what we're up against as South Africans. We're up against people who are there who are not interested in having other people give a viewpoint, not listening to facts. And we've got to stand together as South Africans of all faith groups at this time to to speak out and to show um, to show the world that, that the Jewish people in Israel are not alone. Mm, absolutely, amen to that, Benji. Thank you again so much for being here. All the best for everything that you're going to be doing, not only this week but over the next couple of weeks and months. Thank you for speaking truth as well to us today, and we just wish you nothing but the best. I'm sure it's not going to be the last conversation you and I are going to have, but thank you so much today for your presence on the show. And yeah, just everything of the best in 2024, and everything of the best for the Jewish people and for Israel as we continue to support. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you for uh, allowing me time on the on the show to to give our viewpoint. It's such a pleasure. Take care. You are tuned to Radio Cape Pulpit on seven to nine a.m. Radio that cares twenty four hours a day. I'm grateful for this conversation. I'm grateful to have been unpacking this and, you know, talking a little bit more about the names of, you know, people that I've been reading about recently, like Aaron Barak, the judge. And I was reading a bit about him this week, actually. And of course, just reading a lot about what's going to be unfolding, who are the players, who are the people, what's going to be happening. And to be talking about this and... Wow, it's it's something that you and I need to take seriously. It's something that you and I really need to pray about. And I really encourage you as well this Sunday, as Benji shared, 100 days since the hostages have been held. And please keep in mind that these are people, these are babies, these are children, these are family members. And these are people that we should care about. I saw a very touching video a couple of weeks ago when one of the young girls were released, one of the hostages were released. And uh, it was a very touching video. She was back home and her parents had one of the posters that were up. We know there, there are posters of the hostages being posted up around the world, even here in Cape Town, outside of Parliament, there were many posters. And uh, one of those posters, uh, her parents actually got and showed it to her. And she was just so cute and just so beautiful and she was just really smiling and just overjoyed that people thought of her and that people cared enough to have her picture on a poster to say bring her home and that she was not forgotten and I think that that should tell us something also not only just about the trauma the tragedy 
the the pain, the intensity of what these hostages are going through right now that we cannot even begin to imagine as free people sitting here talking to each other like this, like we're doing now. They don't have that. And so for them to not be forgotten and to feel the sense of not being forgotten, to know somewhere in the depth of their heart, pray for them to feel that they are not forgotten and that we as people around the world are thinking of them and yes on sunday in support wear yellow ribbons doesn't have to be in your hair it can be you know on your arm it can be on your bag it can be somewhere do something i really encourage you to do that even in your churches there are many churches right now and i've been speaking to people on the ground here in cape town and i want to tell you this family that there are people in our city who are supporting Israel, who are receiving death threats, Christian pastors, in particularly in certain areas, I don't want to mention, but in certain areas in Cape Town, they're receiving death threats, their cars are getting stoned, their family members are getting death threats. I'm being serious because I'm hearing from the ground people who this is happening to. Their families are getting persecuted because the communities where they live are against Israel and they as churches and faith leaders are reading their Bibles seeing the truth about Israel and the end time plan of God for for the Jewish people as well and they are counting the cost for this maybe you listening right now and you're counting the cost you know I've had people tell me as well that their families don't like them because they're counting the cost for the truth. This is what it will cost us in these final hours, in these final days. You know, because of the increase in lawlessness, the Bible tells us the love of many will grow cold. Let us stand firm. And I pray that if you are a church that can put up yellow ribbons or do something, wear it, even if you're just wearing it. Someone will ask you why, and you can tell them why. Let's not forget the hostages. Let's not forget the families. Let's not forget every innocent who has been affected by this situation. And let's pray through these hearings. Let's pray about what's happening. Let's pray God's will be done. His love for his people and his strength for us as we continue to speak the truth. It has been so good to be with you today. I'm so grateful for this kind of conversation we can have on Voice of Change. Always keeping you informed. Always keeping you involved with that which is truth so we can feast on the truth. And may God bless you, may he keep you, may he make his incredible, beautiful, wonderful face to shine upon you and bless you with his absolute shalom today. And so until next week, see you then, take care and God bless. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.